Welcome to our daily portion with WIT Ministries. I'm Matt Russell, and I'm the director of WIT Ministries. And at Walking in Truth Ministries, we want to help people to be able to live a more God-centered, God-focused life and uh, in every aspect of their life. So the purpose for this podcast is for us to really strengthen our biblical discipline of reading the Bible. So I'm going to read a scripture every day where I'm going to share a nugget about that scripture. And then I'm going to say a little prayer at the end. And that will be the entirety of our episodes for this podcast. Uh, Please feel free to check us out at walkingintruthministries.org. Or you can also check out our other podcast, which is Living the Wit Life with Walking in Truth Ministries. I hope that this podcast blesses you as much as it blesses me. And uh, let's go ahead and get started with our daily portion. Are you concerned about what the future holds? Are you confident that the retirement plans that you have today will still be secure tomorrow? Let us help you by clearing up the uncertainty. This is Matt Russell, the director of WIT Ministries. Many of us at Walking in Truth Ministries are bivocational, working in our ministry as well as in the financial services industry at WinBig Financial Group. We help people to build a tax-free and risk-free retirement. Give me a call at 817-903-2575 to support our ministry and to secure your family's financial future. Again, Call today at 817-903-2575. Thank you and God bless. Genesis 41, Pharaoh's dream. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream and behold, he was standing by the Nile and lo, from the Nile, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning, his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearers spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard. And we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Joseph interprets. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, 
It is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph. In my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. And behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I saw also in my dream, and behold, seven ears, full and good, came up on a single stalk, and lo, seven ears withered thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but there is no one who could explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of the subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seems, seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Joseph is made a ruler of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He made him ride in the second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the kneel, the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph, Zaphoneth Paneah, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, as his wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus, Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. The Sons of Joseph Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to him. 
Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. He named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. When the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the earth. I really enjoy uh, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Um, he's one of my favorite biblical characters. But in this um, scripture right here, in, in Genesis 41, you can see some amazing things that God's doing. You know, um, when I look at history, uh, I read it once when I was taking a history course um, at the university, that the professor described or he defined history not as just studying the events of the past because we all know that history really the history that we read typically is written from the perspective of whoever is the victor in war so whoever is oppressing another people that's the one who gets to say what's happening so that gives a, a big bias to history and if we look back to all of history, um, yeah, it's very difficult to do it without having a bias one way or the other. Um, now, I know many people would say, oh, no, they're very capable of not having a bias, but we are human beings. And just naturally, there's going to be a bias in our um, study of the past. So whether it be a, a preconceived or a... Uh, perception or um, some kind of knowledge that we have, there's no way to get rid of all of that and look completely unbiased at history. Well, anyways, this professor, he defined history uh, to, to basically create the bias for us. He said that history is the study of God's redeeming love for his people. So, so think about that. If I'm going to look back into history from the bias of, of looking at God's redeeming love for his people, that changes the view of history. So right here, you can see uh, Pharaoh is um, unknowingly, he, he's had this, this dream, Joseph has come in, he's... Joseph has been put through one thing after another that he didn't deserve. And now he's been in prison for more than two years after he interpreted the dream of the cupbearer. Two years. Cupbearer promised. The one thing Joseph said is, please, just do not forget me. Do not forget me. And he did for two years. He left him in there. And we don't know of anything that's happened because there's no real story written about it, except for the fact that Joseph was in charge of the prison, and he'd been spending more than two years in that prison. 
which he didn't deserve to be in in the first place. That's a long time. And he wasn't outwardly complaining. He wasn't rebelling. He, he was, God was with him and everything he touched just seemed to succeed. So now he finally remembers, he calls in for Joseph to interpret the dream because no one else can interpret the dream of Pharaoh. And he comes up and he tells him just plainly, it's not me, it's God. So even in this moment, he has an opportunity to be prideful and boastful and and yeah, that was me. I did it. But he said, no, no, no. It's not me. It's God. He's he's flat out saying, I am not my own. I am a servant of the Almighty. And so he says, here's my dream. Joseph interprets the dream, just like we just read. And what the Pharaoh ends up doing is Pharaoh ends up by putting Joseph in charge and through Joseph's actions. Remember, God is with Joseph. Therefore, even though Pharaoh doesn't deserve God's, um, he hasn't done anything being obedient to God's word. He's a pagan. God blessed Joseph and where Joseph resided, where he had authority. So he's put second in charge of all of Egypt. He has a plan to save up through the years of plenty for the years of famine. Now, through this process, Joseph has made, or God ultimately has made Egypt the most powerful and the most wealthy nation in the world. So they went from being a powerhouse to being the powerhouse. Number one in the world. So, more wealth, more land, more people. What people were doing is they were coming to uh, Egypt because they're starving. All these other surrounding nations are coming to Egypt because they own all of the answer to the famine. So they're coming in and they're paying for it. They're giving them slaves. They're giving them servants. They're giving them uh, everything. Here's our livestock. They're giving them everything they can so that they can eat and survive. If they didn't, they don't survive. So all of the nations of the earth bowed down to Egypt by their power and wealth, transferring all of the power and wealth from the world to Egypt. Was it because Egypt deserved it? No. Studying God's redeeming love for his people. He needed a way to establish his nation. Egypt is not God's nation. Egypt is not God's chosen people. Egypt would actually come out of those other descendants of Ishmael. So he's blessing them, making them a mighty nation who's going to rise up against as he promised he would. But for the meantime, he's doing it So, because he needs to have a way to bring his people, God's redeeming love for his people. He needed to bring them from being a powerhouse to being the powerhouse. And the way that he could do it is transferring it from one nation to another, not from many to one. It was easier to build up Egypt as the powerhouse And then, as we'll continue to read, you'll see Joseph brings in the family 
and they're established, they grow, they have all kinds of um, prosperity, which causes a, a problem. And through the resolving of that problem, God's redeeming love for his people, through the resolving of that situation, all of the power and wealth transfers from Egypt to Israel. And then God's people become the powerhouse. So, Father, thank you for the, the little nuggets that, that exist throughout Scripture. And that if we really pay attention, we can see that your hand is involved throughout all of history. It's not necessarily about what humans are doing. It's about you and your redeeming love. Father, I pray that we could have a fresh look, fresh revelation of the past by looking at your loving hand throughout all of, the, of history. And we can see how your involvement in history, your full sovereignty, your total providence over everything has just been redeeming love for your people. And I ask that you could just continue as I know you will. In fact, I'm so thankful before, as you are currently blessing, I'm thankful for the blessings that I know are still coming because you are faithful, you are consistent, and you have promised never to fail us. Father, thank you that um, you love us and we have redemption through that love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope that uh, that blesses you, either as an individual or uh, with you and your other loved ones. Uh, maybe this is uh, something that you're utilizing to to spend with your family, uh, some time around God's Word, and uh, of course, that is great. I love that, and I'd love to hear how uh, the Daily Portion podcast is blessing you. If you would, just go to our website at walkingintruthministries.org. And um, go on there and just drop us a little note about uh, this podcast or one of our other podcasts or even just check out the events that we have available. Uh, but again, thank you very much and look forward to seeing you again tomorrow as we dig into our daily portion with WIT Ministries. God bless.